Welcome to the Flourish with Functional Nutrition podcast. I'm your host, Madeline Lowry, founder of Twin Cities Nutritional Therapy and a nutritional therapy and MAP method practitioner specializing in allergies and sensitivities, chronic fatigue, chronic pain, irritable bowel, and infertility. Join me for episode 35, where we visit with Kristen Cornett, functional nutritional therapy practitioner and founder of the Tiny Feet virtual fertility practice. She is also the host of the Mastering Your Fertility podcast. In this episode, which is a rebroadcast of episode 94 of Kristen's podcast, we discuss the MAP method of advanced neural retraining for optimal health and fertility. Listen until the end to hear about the emotional and physical changes Kristen experienced through a set of MAP sessions and why she decided to begin training in the method herself. As always, we must disclaim that the information we share in the podcast is for educational purposes only. As MAP method practitioners and nutritional therapy practitioners, we do not diagnose or treat disease, and we recommend working with a qualified practitioner. Now, let's hear from Kristen. All right. Welcome, Madeline Lowry. Thank you so much for joining me today on Mastering Your Fertility. I'm excited to talk with you today. Oh, I'm very excited to be here, Kristen. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I couldn't help but have you on the show after the personal journey that you and I have been on together, practitioner and client. Um, So before we jump into all of that and start talking about MAP, which is the subject of today's interview, tell me a little bit more about you or tell listeners, since I already know a little bit about you, tell listeners a little bit more about you and what brought you to becoming a nutritional therapy practitioner. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, so I'm trained as a nutritional therapy practitioner first. And um, I came to that because like so many people's stories, I, I felt like I was developing all these symptoms and I could not figure out how to get better until one day I picked up a book about a gluten-free diet and tried it. And my life changed like 10 things about my health got better that I I couldn't even understand how um, one change in the diet could make that much of a difference. And so that hooked me into diets and health. Wow, you know, what's that connection? And over the years, unfortunately, symptoms would come back and I kept going back to this thing that had worked so well. And I would change my diet again and I would change my diet again. And each time I'm getting more restrictive until a point where I'm autoimmune paleo I'm beyond autoimmune paleo and I still can't figure it out. So I found, you know, I was reading this book, a cookbook for autoimmune paleo. And I thought, what's this NTP after the author's names? And I looked it up and I found the Nutritional Therapy Association. And I thought, oh my gosh, I think I need to learn this. I was an MBA. I was working in the business world, but I just really felt like I needed more knowledge. Like I had gotten lucky and when I had changed my diet in this way and that and gotten better, you know, all those times. But now I thought I really need this degree to help myself get better. I had really no, I, no concept, no idea that I was going to use this professionally. I just thought I need to solve myself and this is how I'm going to do it. It's kind of a crazy idea, but that's what I did. And so I trained as a nutritional therapy practitioner. By the time I was done with the course, I thought, I think more people need to know this. And there really aren't many nutritional therapy practitioners that have, well, there were none that had um, office availability in the Twin Cities. And so I, I decided to leave my job in the business world and do this. Okay. So I just have to laugh right now because I didn't know that whole story. I knew you had been AIP and then came to, you know, nutrition after uh, nutritional therapy association after like trying to solve this for yourself. But like, it's so eerily similar to how I came to NTA because I had discovered AIP on my own after going gluten-free and then dairy-free and then cutting more things out and more things out and more things out. And then by the time I was AIP, I bought Mickey Trescott's first 
cookbook and I saw her credential and I bing, looked bing, it up bing. and that is how I learned about the NTA. So it's really hilarious that you and I have almost exactly the same way that we came to NTA. Yeah. Weird. That is weird. Twin separated birth. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Um, okay. So you are doing more than nutrition in your practice now, and that's kind of going to be the subject of today's interview. So talk about this concept of neural retraining. Like when did you start to discover that there was a powerful connection between what the brain is doing and what the body is doing? Cause I think our conventional understanding of brain and body or mind and body, it's very separate in the allopathic world. So, you know, what brought you to that understanding that there was a big connection between what our brains are doing and how that is directing our physiology? Yeah. So as a nutritional therapy practitioner, you know, I specialized in the things that brought me to the field and that included allergies and sensitivities, um, irritable bowel and autoimmune conditions. And so I was developing this practice where I was having more and more allergy and sensitivity patients. And I myself still had all the allergies and sensitivities that I'd started with. You know, I was using nutritional therapy on myself, lots of supplements, and I was getting slowly better. I was maybe 60% better, but it, you know, it hadn't, it hadn't flipped the switch for me. Like I hoped it would, you know, the way the gluten, removing gluten from the diet was such a light bulb moment. I mean, the, the, the change in my life was so great. Um, it was impossible to ignore, but you know, I had, I don't, I didn't feel like I had achieved another really big win like that, you know, through anything else that nutritional therapy had to offer me. So I was still searching. And like I said, had a lot of patients with allergies and sensitivities, some um, that came to me for evaluations and I would send them home with a list of 12 or 15 suspected allergies and sensitivities for them to, re you know, remove things from their diet and see if over a period of two or three weeks, their symptoms would abate. And I started to, so I, I'd send people home with these very long faces, right? Like what? I have to take all of this out of my diet. What am I going to eat? And, um, and it can feel like that. And so I started to study allergy elimination techniques and I learned several, but then I came across the dynamic neural retraining system, DNRS. And this is a method, it's a, I, I look back now and I would say it's a basic method of neural retraining. Basically, it, it's a set of mental exercises, some visualizations, some affirmations, and some um, incremental exposure work. But essentially, it's a set of mental exercises that you teach that you are you can be taught and then you go home and you practice them for an hour a day for three to six months and I used this method on myself I was just I was very curious when I read her book wired for healing thought oh I need to know more about this and I kind of um I, I intended to start the program way sooner than um than I actually did I waited several months because I, as much as as interesting as it was, it, I just couldn't understand how this could work, right? And um, when I finally started using the method, the changes that I observed in myself happened so fast that it was just undeniable. It was like that going gluten-free moment again. And I realized, oh my gosh, what is this? It's my, it's been my brain this whole time. You know, as a nutritional therapy practitioners, we're, we're taught if something, if the person has a sensitivity, if you can see the signs, you know, you, you need to get that person off to, to take those things out of the diet. So we can see, you know, how they, how they are, how their health picture looks without these um, allergens and sensitivities sort of triggering their immune system all the time and injuring their gut and so on and so forth. But what I, and so our approach is really take, take it away, avoidance. What I learned by doing this basic neural retraining method is avoidance and avoidance doesn't really work because avoidance leads to more avoidance. Avoidance leads to more hypervigilance, leads to more concerns about foods, leads to, you know, so if the person who has this predisposition to develop sensitivities, it just seems to increase over time. And by retraining the brain, we can actually retrain the brain to tolerate these substances again. And not only does it tolerate the foods again, 
but it's also if you had any chemical sensitivities, if you have any environmental sensitivities, if you have any sensitivities to medications or any other triggers in your life. And it can be many things. It can be heights, it can be weather conditions, it can be exertion, it can be breathing patterns, it can be sun, it can be driving, right? So many different things people can become sensitive to. Once we teach the brain to tolerate these things, then, the, then the, the, the danger sensing system of the brain, the limbic system becomes much more stable. And not only do, can we tolerate these substances again. So for example, I've reincorporated all foods back into my diet, not just the ones I was sensitive to, but the ones I was actually allergic to like shellfish. Um, but what I also saw in myself and in my clients for whom I taught, you know, I taught these exercises, these principles, baseline health improves as well. And the way that this works is simply that when you're that sensitive individual being triggered all the time, you are being pulled into a stress response. And so you are that sympathetic dominant person. And by retraining the brain, increasing the brain's tolerance, stabilizing the limbic system so it's not reacting all the time to perceived threats, whatever they may be, we can shift that person from being sympathetic dominant to parasympathetic dominant, which is the state in which all restorative functions of the body operate. It is necessary for us as human beings to be spending most of our time, the majority of our time in the parasympathetic response for optimal health. True. So, and optimal yeah. fertility, which I think is a really important point. And I want to kind of visit the subject of hy hypervigilance a little bit more, because I think it can be a stretch for some people to kind of understand how we can end up in this state and how that causes food sensitivities. But essentially, you know, a state of hypervigilance, most of your immune system is hanging out in and around your gut. And so when we think about um, the immune system becoming hypervigilant in response to foods, it's basically the brain directing the immune system in that way. I mean, the brain, the nervous system is that central system that's telling all of our other organ systems and body systems what to do. And so if the immune system has sensed a threat, that threat puts us into that sympathetic state, we can hypersensitize to that, to that state. So when we, when we experience that trigger again, the brain says, okay, right away, this has entered the body. The immune system needs to respond strongly and right away to this thing. And then we just keep developing more sensitivities and more hypervigilance and more sensitivities. And it becomes kind of this vicious cycle. So, um, you know, I just think it's, it's important to kind of understand that the nervous system and the brain is really in charge here. When we're talking about what the immune system is doing, that's why avoidance doesn't always work because it's the brain saying we need to respond to this food. Just the removal and trying to heal the gut tissue isn't, isn't always enough and it misses the mark for a lot of people. And I've had so many clients tell me, you know, I feel like removing this food from my diet made me more sensitive to it. Right? Like I'm sure you've heard that from quite a few of your clients. Um, and I think that that is a lot of what we're talking about here with, with the, um, the brain and the nervous system sensing that threat and directing the immune system in that way, even more strongly, once they've been told that they need to remove a food and they've experienced a benefit, then that automatically creates that connection, that that food is harmful, that it's dangerous. And then anytime they encounter it again, they're going to have a stronger response to it. Yeah, I think that is true. I, you know, I, I, I think there are people for whom, uh, you know, they're just gluten sensitive or dairy sensitive and, and they take that out and they're fine and they just stay stable at that level. Right. But, so I'm not saying that everyone is the, the, the susceptible individual that right. is hyper reacting to everything, but that, but I do want to point out that there are, there are a group of people who develop sensitivities and, and they just kind of keep creeping up, you know, it's like, in, and then in my twenties, I became sensitive to X. And then in my thirties, I, you know, there are three more things. And then in my forties, like seven more things. And then, and then, you know, and, and so for there, for certain people, there just seems to be this tendency towards becoming sense, you know, developing sensitivities that perpetuates and it reinforces itself. And so this is, for those kinds of people, retraining the brain is really, I, I think the right strategy because it pulls you out of this, like you said, the vicious cycle. Yeah, definitely. I'm one of those people. <laughs> 
which is why I started seeking out some neural retraining for myself. And I did DNR, DNRS and found it really helpful, but found the practice itself challenging. And so where I originally came across MAP was from you. I saw you post in the NTP Facebook practitioner forum for people who had been using this or maybe struggling to get results for their clients with having them use DNRS because they were struggling with the practice of having to do it for an hour a day. It's a big commitment for a lot of people. I was very attracted to the idea of something that wouldn't require that kind of, not that I'm not committed, but like, you know, running a busy practice and having a lot going on. And then there are certain things about the practice itself too, that I struggled with to really get into the state of mind that was required to do that rewiring, especially when you don't feel well, you know, it can be really difficult to achieve that. So hearing about something that could help us rewire the brain for these very sensitive people, myself included, um, was really attractive. And that's what you were sharing about MAP. So let's go down the the trail of what is MAP? What is this method of neural retraining and how does it work? Yeah, so the MAP method of advanced neural retraining is, I would say, a quantum leap over systems or methods like DNRS, dynamic neural retraining system. Um, with dynamic neural retraining system, as you said, it requires an hour of practice a day for three to six months because we are using our conscious mind to try to rewire our subconscious mind or our unconscious mind. And this is a very labor intensive practice, right? Because the conscious mind does not have that much um, control over the unconscious mind, it doesn't at all. And so it, it really requires a lot, a lot, a lot of repetition. So that's a big commitment. And so this was the problem I was running into with many of my, my clients. And that's why I went looking for a better method. I kept saying, I just wish I could find a method where I could do the rewiring for them in a session. And I never heard anything like this, you know, uh, but I just kept having that thought, like, oh no, this person's not, this person, you know, that I taught is getting stuck or, you know, they were doing so well and now they just seem to not be able to advance and I don't understand why. Um, I wish I could just do it for them. So I, I'm not sending people home to try to do this practice for three to six months and then they get too busy or something happens. They have an emergency in their family crisis situation. They don't have that hour a day. I mean, an hour a day is a lot. So fast forward and I, I found the MAP, Co MAP Coaching Institute and the MAP Method, which is a very... Uh, it's not, not well known at all, and especially not in the United States, which, which is kind of interesting because the MAP Coaching Institute is in Houston, Texas. However, I would say the majority of practitioners are in Asia, Australia, New Zealand, Europe, outside of the United States. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I'm not sure exactly why that is, but I will say that the, uh, the origins of the method are actually from Canada. Interesting because Annie Hopper, the developer of DNRS is also a also Canadian. Also from Canada. <laughs> yes. So the origins of the MAP method come out of the work of Dr. Gary Flint. He was an experimental psychologist in Canada. He was a student of Francine Shapiro, EMDR, um, and Roger Callanan, who is also uh, TFT, like the tapping methods, EFT, yeah. TFT. And, and, you know, he studied NLP. He studied many, you know, as, as uh, most of these practitioners do, they, 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 you know, keep adding the certifications, right? So he had many tools in his tool belt, but he was working with a really, I would say, extreme patient population people with schizophrenia, people with bipolar disorder, people with multiple personalities, right? So really the, the really tough cases, the cases that most psychotherapists don't really want to take on because they are just so challenging. It's very hard to get results with them. And so he, he you know, as I said, he was a student of these various methods and he, over a period of 15 or 20 years, develop this way of working with his clients where he would develop a rapport with their subconscious mind with their yeah with their subconscious mind and so this subconscious reprogramming 
that we're doing with DNRS the hard way, just like use your conscious thinking mind to try to influence your unconscious habit mind, which takes so much effort, is now much simplified because we're using the subconscious mind to reprogram the subconscious mind. The subconscious, we harness the power of the subconscious mind. Now recall that 90, 90 to 95% of all brain activity in the brain is subconscious. In other words, based on memory, it's autopilot. It's based on, we act this way based on how we act th- acted this way in the past when something happened. It's yes, exactly. So the subconscious mind is a pattern. It's a habit mind. And so Dr. Flint's theory and his book is called a theory and treatment of your personality. His theory was that all the behaviors in the body, mental, emotional, physical, are based on habits of the mind based on memories, memory structures, he calls them. So the more memories we have of X happening, the more likely that we will have that same response the next time that we're exposed. So this is true for anxiety. This is true for depression. This is true for PTSD. This is true for obsessive thoughts. This is true for um, uh, other things, physical things, I believe, allergies and sensitivities and other chronic health conditions. Because I saw it in my practice with the basic method that people's, as I said, baseline health would improve. Many things would improve. Their hormone levels would normalize. Their weight would normalize. Their gut would heal. Their immune system, which would, had been very dysregulated, you know, normalized again. Um, they they uh, experienced um, chronic pain being resolved, chronic fatigue being resolved. Nutrient uptake was better because all of these things happen when your body is in that parasympathetic mode. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I really struggled (laughs) with the idea behind this initially. It took me a long time to accept that stress could be that big of a trigger for physiological issues, which is funny because there's actually a lot of published research out there to suggest that being in a chronic fight or flight state is a risk factor for all chronic illness. Uh, if you pick a chronic illness and there's a study out there that shows that being in a, in a chronic stress response, a fight or flight state is a risk factor for every chronic disease that you can think of. Um, but, you know, understanding the real mechanics behind how this works and then really figuring out how that applies to your own life. I think that's difficult for people, but I, I certainly think that it is important to understand that this is not this is not just some woo woo idea. This is really very scientific stuff. And there have been some fantastic books that I've read on this topic that really support the mind body connection in a, in an extremely scientific way. The work of, um, Candace Pert who wrote the molecules of emotion and her work was all about, she originally discovered the opiate receptor in 1973 uh, because we were like, well, how does morphine work? Like we have morphine, but if morphine works, there must be some kind of a receptor for it. And if there's a receptor for it, which they found in 1973, then there must be something that the body makes that binds to that receptor. And then why do we make those? What do they do? Not only do endorphins, you know, endogenous opiates, not only do they modulate pain, they modulate the emotional state. And when you're on morphine, not only are you not in pain, but you're also kind of in this euphoric emotional state. So that set off all of this work looking for what they called these neuropeptides, these things that had an impact on physiological functioning as well as mental functioning. So pain as well as, you know, emotions. And so she ended up naming these neuropeptides molecules of emotion And even though she was a PhD basic science researcher, she came to this incredible understanding of the mind-body connection through science, which was fascinating. Uh, Her book really is written from a PhD scientist perspective. So if you're interested in all of that science, it's definitely something you can check out. I think in my experience with clients reading the work of Gabor Matei, um, I think he's a Hungarian MD who worked in palliative care for a long time, seeing a lot of chronically ill patients, um, people dying from complications from autoimmune disease, cancer, um, various degenerative diseases like ALS. 
and really started putting together this psychoneuroimmunoendocrinology. I think we still call it psychoneuroimmunology as a field now, uh, but adding that endocrinology piece is really important to understand the connection between the brain, nervous system, immune system, and endocrine system. And this is particularly important in the fertility context because we're talking about basically how stress, fight or flight, these learned responses in the body to various triggers, be they physiological, be they emotional or mental, can really change the way that our bodies function over time and can upset our hormones and upset our immune system. And so many of the fertility issues that I see in practice are related to hormones and the immune system, sometimes both. Yes. Yeah. No, that, that's a fantastic summary. Yeah. I do point people to that emerging field of PNI or PIN is called both uh, psychoneuroimmunology. And as you said, people are trying to add that E to it also because they're realizing that endocrinology is part of it as well. So these four systems, which we have looked at as four separate systems in the body, we are now realizing work as one super system. So the psyche has an effect on your nervous system, on your immune system, on your endocrine system. There is no doubt anymore. And so, um, and getting back to your, your point about stress, I mean, we know the CDC has done multiple studies showing that 75, 85% of all chronic health issues have, there's an emotional, there's a stressor, there's an emotional stress factor behind it. And people, people, you know, it, I think physicians do talk about stress. They have their patients go home and think about, well, you know, think about your stress level and how you can resolve it. But the stressors that we are taught to consider are things like work stress, relationship stress, financial stress, emotional stress, and in the current lifestyle. But what I want people to understand is that you know, doing this work with MAP has shown me that the, the stressors, the stress load on the body includes the unconscious stressors as well. And this can include memories from any time in your life, not just current. And it can include many, you know, many different kinds of things um, aside from you know, lifestyle stress or financial stress or work stress. And when we go looking, you know, we, when we start working with the subconscious mind, it starts to show us what's connected. And, and things come up for people in sessions that are connected to the issues, the subject that they want to work on, whether it be mental, emotional, or physical, that are often quite surprising for that person. But I see it all the time. Things just pop up. And it's like, what? That's been bothering me? I mean, there's a kind of a disbelief. But when we clear it, when we clear that subconscious stressor for that person, and, we, and I, I often talk about it as like layers, right? There are layers. When we clear the layers, that, um, that issue gets lifted. That emotional stressor becomes neutralized. And we see people gradually coming back into health again. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely attest to being surprised by some of the things that turn out to be connected. And, you know, the mind is complex, um, but I don't remember where I heard this, whether it was like in intro to map or if it was in some other neural retraining, it, it was the, the phrase, the brain knows its own programming. So even though we don't know at a conscious level what all of these associations and connections and responses based on emotional memory, we don't know what all of those things are with our conscious mind, the brain does know its own programming. And so what I love about MAP is that it has the ability to go and basically direct the brain to rewrite its own programming. And um, another thing I found really interesting when Colette, um, who is kind of the, the current guru of MAP um, and basically took Gary Flint's work and kind of melded it, molded it into what it is today, you know, the MAP method, she and I think her son. So, you know, Colette was talking about this window of reconsolidation that we discovered in neuroscience, like 
what, less than 20 years ago, basically the idea that when you recall an experience, when you bring that into the conscious mind, even something that happened a long time ago, there is this opportunity to change the emotional component of that long-term memory. And so that's really what MAP is doing when we say like, oh, we're clearing something. That's what we're doing, right? With MAP is we're, we're changing the emotional association with that long-term memory. So I'll give you guys an example. I, I really did want to share my personal experience with MAP. So I think this is probably a good time to segue into that. Um, but there have been some things that I've cleared around particular relationships in my family. I don't think my brother listens to this podcast, so hopefully he won't mind me talking about this on air, but uh, he would admit to this as well. But we had a very difficult relationship as children. He's four and a half years older than me and just had a really difficult time as a kid and kind of took that out on everybody in the family. He was just a really unhappy kid and he didn't treat me very well when we were kids. And you know, we didn't, because he's so much older, he went into the military for 10 years and we just didn't really have much of a relationship. And there were all these things that happened when we were kids that I was really kind of angry about and resentful about. And his later lack of participation in the family, a lot of that because he was gone, uh, it was hard for me, you know, because I was here and in the thick of it and, you know, participating in the family and he wasn't here. And then I had all of the, these, this big box of memories of things I was resentful about that I never got resolution for. And I think it was my second MAP session with you, Madeline, that we cleared a lot of the emotions and experiences and memories, things that were painful, but that I didn't have to fully relive in the session. You know, I could just kind of bring those into the active experience just enough to rewire it essentially. And I woke up the next day and all of that resentment and all of that anger and kind of difficult feelings and kind of resistance to that relationship completely evaporated and disappeared. I woke up the next day and I just felt differently about it. And I had a new perspective on his experience and being more understanding of where he was coming from in the whole situation. And, um, you know, we've actually had an opportunity to see each other a couple of times since then, which is unusual because he lives far away. And I've really enjoyed spending time with him. It's almost like we have this opportunity to now to be friends as adults that I don't feel like we would have had, you know, if, if I hadn't gone through this process and gone through this rewiring, but it was so, so profound and so interesting to have that experience. And I've had several others with MAP as well, you know, that have cleared things around my stress levels and the standards that I hold myself to and, you know, things that are anxiety producing for me and really understanding what the roots of those things are. And some of them are super old. I mean, we're talking about clearing memories from when I was like pre 10 years old, um, because some of these patterns of behavior and reaction and response, they start so early that you just never realize how they're affecting you as an adult. So true. That's beautifully put. And I think, I, I think a lot of people will be able to relate to that. Yeah. And, and so that, that is exactly what the MAP method, that's the potential of the MAP method, right? I mean, imagine if you can erase years of resentment or years of, you know, whatever your um, mental habit of mind is, right? Whatever that um, is for you, imagine being able to erase it and a couple of sessions. Yeah. And I think where this really becomes so relevant, you know, since we're on a fertility podcast is that there are so many different emotions that surround the whole topic of fertility. You know, there may be a stress or a trauma that is actively impeding the hormonal system to function the way it was meant to. And that could be a major block to fertility, but just the experience of struggling with your fertility brings along with it so much stress and so much trauma. You know, there's so many triggers, like, you know, when you, when you're in Facebook groups, I'm sure many listeners on this podcast are in Facebook groups and anytime there's a discussion of certain subjects that can be very triggering, you know, you need to write sensitive posts, trigger warning because of how some Someone can respond just to that subject being brought up on social media. So we know that there's a lot of emotions surrounding this topic. And so one of the reasons I'm so interested in implementing MAP with fertility to see how this manifests in clients is because of that, you know, what can we accomplish with kind of reprogramming those emotional memories and experiences, not only changing how the body responds and potentially helping balance hormones and balance the physiology, but also to make the whole process less painful because it's so painful. I agree. And, you know, thanks to you, Kristen, I've had a chance to work with 
a number of your clients and it is, you know, they, they come and they have just terrible memories, um, trauma memories around miscarriages, around um, procedures that didn't go well, or, um, you know, hopes that have been dashed, um, lab results that are not positive, right? And, and sometimes this news can be delivered in less than a sensitive way, and that just adds to the, the pain, the hurt, the trauma. And so um, for many of them, that's exactly where we start, is just helping them release those painful emotions around those memories. So I wanna mention here that the MAP method is, as you said, a method to be able to release or neutralize the emotional pain around a trauma memory. You can still remember the memory, you still have the memory, but when you bring up the memory, it doesn't, it's not as painful as it used to be before. Now it's more neutral and you can view that memory. For some people, it's more, it, it, they feel like, um, I can view the memory almost like I'm an observer as opposed to it being like in me, you know, uh, so painful. Um, like it's and, happening right now, yeah. you know, like those same emotions start to surface, particularly with like a really intensely painful traumatic experience, like a loss. Yes, yes, exactly. And so when we can separate the painful emotion from the memory and resave the memory with neutral to positive emotions, I mean, it depends on what's appropriate for that memory. Now the memory is more like is more like wisdom. And it's, it's less like a, an intense emotional pain that's kind of running us. I mean, we don't realize it, but it's kind of running us in the background. It's, it's one of those subconscious stressors that is pushing us into that stress response in our, in our, in our unconscious mind. So um, yeah, I do think the, the potential to use this method for you know, chronic issues of all kinds is, is really um, just a, a wonderful new area to be explored. Yeah, absolutely. So powerful. And I know that there are MAP practitioners all over the world. As you said, they're kind of concentrated outside the U.S. And perhaps that's because of the, oh, I would say maybe greater receptivity <laughs> to working with this type of a mod modality and kind of marrying the mind and the body, which is something that I feel like our Western system is a little bit more resistant to. And I mean, I have certainly experienced resistance talking with people about the idea that there could be any emotional component to what they view as a very strongly, very clearly physiological issue. Uh, and it can be really hard to explain that to someone and help them see that without having an experience or reading a little bit about it. So I always try to like point people toward resources. Hopefully this will be a resource that people can use to kind of see like, does any of this sound like me? Does any of this sound like it could have something to do with what I have going on? And you know, the thing that I would say about it, if you're curious and you want to know more about this is that it's, you're really not going to harm yourself. Like this can only help. It's not like, oh, I'm going to try this drug for my chronic autoimmune disease, or I'm going to take these supplements or whatever. Like there are always the potential of side effects with that. I would say that this is an extremely low to no side effect. I mean, I'm not going to say that there aren't any emotions that could surface between sessions and, you know, cause a little bit of emotional pain, but there are tools that you can use and that your MAP practitioner would share with you that can help you neutralize those things that come up between sessions. And you don't have to fully relive every detail of a trauma in order to clear it like you do with certain methods. I think EMDR comes to mind as one of the more intense trauma healing methods that really require you to kind of go back to that and relive each piece of it. And MAP's not like that. So with the potential for this, this large potential for benefit and low to no potential for any negative side effects, like just give it a try, you know, be open-minded and see how it could work for you. That's what I decided to do is like, be open-minded, give it a try. And I just, I can't believe the change that I'm seeing in myself with multiple things. I mean, I would say that the, the thing I mentioned about my relationship with my brother was the earliest and biggest change that I noticed right away, but I have noticed so many other changes and I've actually started to notice positive changes that are hormonally based as well. And I've started to see shifts in my cycle. So I'm really, 
<laughs> I'm really down with this. I mean, to the point that I have decided that this is something that I need to certify in. So at the time of this recording, I have just started um, MAP practitioner training, and I'm really excited to be able to offer this to my clients because it is powerful and it is an under-recognized and underutilized area of healing even for functional practitioners, you know, most of us are trained to focus on the physiology only. And, you know, the emotional is kind of like, oh yeah, if your client needs help, like, you know, send them to a therapist or have them work out their trauma. Uh, but there is a way to start to work through that with clients. And you don't, you don't have to be, you know, a psychologist or a psychiatrist in order to help somebody toward that, that journey of emotional healing. Yeah. Yeah, and that's really wonderful. I'm really thrilled that through going through a set of sessions with me, I think we had maybe what seven sessions or something. Seven or eight, something. Yeah, like seven that. or eight sessions. That um, that you decided to train in it. That you know you became so convinced of its value that you've decided to spend the time to certify in it. It's a six month process, um, so not something that's undertaken lightly. Um, but I'm also fantastically thrilled to hear that you notice. Um, improvements in your baseline health. Yeah. And, you know, not, I, would, I just want to say that none of these seven or eight sessions that we worked on, did we do anything about your end, you know, hormone levels? We never did a session on hormone levels. We no. never did a session. I mean, we, we maybe uh, worked on maybe some affirmations uh, around health, but in, in no way was that, were those the main focuses of our sessions? They were, no really more, um, emotional, like, yeah, emotional things. It was kind of un for me, it felt like we were just unwinding these patterns of stress that were so deeply ingrained. Like it wasn't anything that I probably could have uncoiled by myself. Like I would, I'm sure you can attest to this. I would come into sessions with like lists of things that I had consciously uncovered. Like, oh, I think this might be a thing and this might be a thing. And, you know, and then we would go through this process of like, okay, well, why don't you pick something that you're feeling now to focus on after I've gone through my list of 15 things. And then whatever I thought that that feeling was tied to would end up being different from what the original event was. Like what was the precipitating event that kicked off this pattern? And I think everybody's experience of the actual rewiring process with MAP is probably different. Mine kind of felt like, you know, if we were tracing a thought, feeling, behavior, or pattern today back to something like we wanted to find and neutralize the original event, I would kind of have this sensation of my brain, like kind of like ticking through memories, like almost flipping pages in reverse. And it's like, okay, what's on this page? Oh, that's interesting. Okay, we'll deal with that. And, you know, it would go in order and we'd get back to this original event, sometimes that was generational, something that really wasn't mine to begin with. You know, I do believe, and I think that there's a decent amount of evidence at this point to suggest that some of the patterns are things that we can inherit generationally. I definitely believe in generational trauma. Um, I think that has a lot to do with health and wellness. And there are definitely some patterns of generational behaviors and beliefs and um, incidents that have affected my family. And there is evidence to show that the stress response of the mother programs the stress response of the child. And so what your mother is going through when she's pregnant with you has an impact on how that stress response, how robustly that stress response develops and how easily triggered it is. You know, for me, my stress response is so easily triggered and it's physiological. I feel it right away. I would have to say lately, one of the things that triggers it most easily is political discussions. I have a lot of differences in how um, people in my extended family feel about politics. Uh, I'm not going to take this opportunity to share any personal beliefs, but just I'm sure you all have this experience that you think differently than somebody else in your family, and maybe not everybody is as nice about it or as um, understanding of others' opinions. And those can be really stressful situations. And I can just feel myself, like, you know, physically gearing up that fight or flight response, like, oh, I'm getting ready to run away or I'm getting ready to fight. Um, and I just think it's interesting, like how easily that's triggered for me. So I have to be mindful and I have to be careful. And, you know, I do use MAP on the go, which is kind of like the in-between session way of clearing some of that stuff out um, in between sessions so that you can at least get relief in the moment. And maybe that thing will require a full MAP session later. I've had several of those where I worked on something or I realized that something was an issue in between sessions. And then we take that and we work on it in a full session. 
Um, but yeah, I, there's a lot to say about the generational piece, about the programming of that stress response, and then kind of unraveling that and figuring out what these patterns are for yourself through MAP. It's, it's just really fascinating. I'm very passionate about it. Yeah, well, thank you for that. And I do, I do want to take this moment to maybe just um, unbundle some of the, well, I, I just want to describe what a MAP session is like, maybe. Yeah, uh, because people think, oh, neural rewiring or neural retraining, you mean I'm going to have to like, you know, sit in front of a computer, you know, they think of like neural biofeedback. And this is not like that at all. So there's no equipment involved, aside from we're doing this over video conference. Uh, so, you know, um, just video conference accessibility, um, having a laptop, having a camera on your laptop and uh, being able to access something like Zoom video conference. Um, so we do this at a distance. So, I mean, I am in Minnesota, you are in Oregon yep. and we did these sessions over Zoom video conference. So distance, you know, location, distance doesn't matter. And we, uh, we do the sessions one-on-one. -on -one. For me, a regular session length is 90 minutes. Um, uh, except for the introductory session. So everyone has to be initiated to the MAP method. And that just consists of watching a 15 minute video, coming to your first session. And then we kind of finish that initiation at the, at the first session. So I kind of talk to your superconscious or your subconscious mind, we call it superconscious, but that's a, just a semantic thing. Um, we, I talk to your subconscious mind and we get it primed and ready to accept the instructions that the practitioners use to um, help your brain rewire itself. And so that's a really important point. So I want people to understand that the practitioner is not doing something to you. Um, you come to the session with, uh, with an intention, with a goal, that, uh, a subject that you wanna work on. And that organizes the session for us. The practitioner is there to recognize patterns, to help you get the most out of the session and to offer instructions to your subconscious mind which your subconscious mind is free to accept or reject. Um, and, uh, and so your, your subconscious mind is rewiring itself right there in the session, right in front of me. And I am monitoring the process the whole time. So I know if you get stuck and I know if you're processing the instruction or not, I know uh, when we get stuck, sort of how to, how to diagnose the blocks, overcome the blocks and then get back, get us back on track again. And um, I mean, this is, this is the part that is kind of magical and it's really not possible to understand how this all works. People like look at me with big eyes and they say, how, what, how did you know that? Or how is that, you know, possible? And I, I just, um, you know, I just say, you know, if you, if you believe in energy modalities like Reiki, it's a little bit like that. Um, there's just an, an energetic connection. My superconscious and your superconscious or subconscious minds connect. And I'm able to receive information about questions that I ask. Now, I don't, I don't see into your mind. I have no idea what, what your thoughts are. You know, that's why I'm always asking at the end of each treatment round, like, so what popped up for you? Or what, you know, what thoughts came into your mind? What memories came into your mind? What body sensations did you have? So you give me a little feedback after you know each instruction round, but it's uh, it's really about me just asking your subconscious mind, okay, okay, is, is Kristen processing this? Is she processing this? Okay, is she done? Is she stuck? Does she need help? You know, so I'm asking these yes or no questions, and I'm getting a yes or no answer, and that helps me guide the session. Um, but so when you said you know just try it, it's really it's it's really pretty safe and. Um, I, I do think that for most people in the session, they feel pretty relaxed. In fact, the session doesn't really work unless you're very relaxed. So you can't really, I don't recommend having a session in a busy place or if you're going to, you know, if your kids are kind of home and are, are, are apt to come in and, you know, um, bother you or need things. Um, it's really best to have 90 minutes carved out to yourself in a room with a door and, um, it's almost like a meditative state that you go into. Would you agree, Kristen? I would. Yeah. And it's not hypnosis. Um, no. You know, you're not hypnotized, but it is really just relaxing and kind of being present. It, that's what meditation is, is relaxing, being present, being in, in your body, you know, in, in your mind and just experiencing what's happening in the session, um, which is really 
hard for some busy brained people. Uh, thankfully I had some background in, in meditation prior, prior to doing this. So, uh, it felt good. You know, it felt like time for me, it was stress relief just by not doing anything else, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I want to say about MAP is though we have been talking about, well, you, you focus on this one memory and the brain rewires itself. I want people to understand that it's not just the memory that you have in your mind that we are neutralizing. So the MAP method is powerful, much more powerful than EMDR or tapping because as I said, we, we um, are harnessing the power of the subconscious mind, right? The most powerful supercomputer ever created. And we are using that power of the subconscious mind to to comb through all the stores of, of memories, both consciously held memories and unconsciously held memories, and find all the memories that are associated with the experience that you're having. You know, you, someone comes in, they say, um, this thing stresses me out. I have this kind of trigger. And I say, okay, can you remember the last time that happened? Hold that in your mind. Just remember that when that happened to you last. And then the subconscious mind is going through, and it's like, okay, I see the signature, emotional signature of this memory, and it's going through all the memories from conception forward. I mean, all, a lifetime's worth of memories. And it's, it's tagging all the ones that are contributing to this emotional response, because remember, it's a pattern. It's a pattern, and the pattern is built up of multiple memories and neutralized when we ask the, the superconscious mind or the subconscious mind to neutralize these memories, it is neutralizing all of them. So it's doing a batch processing kind of process. And that's, that's what's different from EMDR and tapping where we're working on a consciously held memory and one at a time. It's, um, this, this, is, this is much more powerful. It's very fast, very effective. And you know people experience significant shifts even in one session. I won't say every session, you know, uh, yeah. results in a significant shift, but if you stick with the process and I tell people four to six sessions is a good trial of MAP, you did seven or eight. And I think, you know, even though we weren't working on a physiological level, you're seeing changes on a physiological level and that's the power of it. Yeah. I would say sessions two, five, and seven were probably ones where I was like, okay, something groundbreaking definitely happened. And I think session five is where we started working on uh, the sensitivity aspect. And I had a big block that you were able to diagnose uh, that was very much like a white knuckling, like holding on to this hypervigilance, this major fear response around food. And that was huge. And clearing that was very emotional for me. Uh, and we were not on video at that time because we were having some like internet issues, but uh, it was, it was probably one of the biggest emotional releases that I've had, but I wouldn't describe, I wouldn't describe it as like emotionally painful. It was just like a big release of something I had been holding onto that was clearly holding me back, that was affecting my relationship with food, that was affecting this sense of like constant stress and hypervigilant, not just about food, but like about my environment. Something that had formed completely without my knowledge that wasn't within my conscious control. So I just want people when they think about stress to understand like, this is not about you stressing yourself out. This is not about it like being your fault or you just need to make changes to your life and then everything will get better. You need to work less or you need to meditate more. Those things can help certainly, but we're talking about that deep emotional work, things that people can go to therapy for, for 20 years and still not fully resolve. And we're talking about being able to do that in potentially minutes in a session. So, you know, I've been to therapy multiple times for this relational issue um, that I was having in my family. And that was something that I still came back to, you know, I would feel better and it was great to like unload the emotional burden of that during a therapy session, but to actually be able to totally shift my thought process around that, let go of the emotional pain and see it in a whole new light has completely changed that relationship, has completely changed my approach to that relationship. And it's just made me overall just a more secure, happier person that's not hanging on to old memories and resentment. And I cannot tell you how incredibly freeing that is, truly. Yeah, and we hear stories like this all the time. So Kristen, you're going into the MAP certification program and you will be going into the practice rooms. You will be trading sessions with other students and you 
you will be amazed at, at the things that can happen right awesome. in front of your eyes. You well, saw, you share you saw some, it. yeah, from your practice, uh, other people that you've worked with, like what are some of the most profound changes, like maybe two that you've seen? Wow. Um, I mean, I, I talk about this in my podcast as well, but I, as a student, I um, did a session for another student who was having some money problems. So she came in and she said, I want to work on money blocks. And in working on those money blocks, I gave her an instruction. I was just following my intuition, right? I uh, gave her an instruction and she said, you're not going to believe this, but my hiatal hernia is gone. What? Yeah. Right there, right there in front of me. She said, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. This tension that I've had in my kind of my stomach area, you know, it, it, it prevented me from taking a really deep breath. I've been kind of breathing kind of shallowly and it causes reflux when I lie down at night. It's like, it just, it just went away like that. And her eyes were, you know, huge. She was like, oh my gosh, now I think I really believe, you know, in, <laughs> in the fact that this can have an effect on the physical body. I mean, she was, she was already convinced of course that, you know, it had emotional and mental effects, but she felt a big physical shift right there in the moment. And that, that really uh, surprised me. I, I didn't even know what a hiatal hernia was. I had never worked with the student before. We had just met and we were working on money blocks, you know, yeah. but we cleared something and it changed her physiology. And she, and she told me again, like the next morning, she was like, I slept so well. I wake, I, I, I woke, you know, just a little bit during the night and I took a really deep breath and I just thought, oh my gosh, I can take a really deep breath now. And she said, I had no reflux. And then weeks later, she wrote to me again. She said, and it's still gone. Yeah. So it was, you know, it was huge. Another um, student session that I, I, I was an observer. Uh, so usually they, they pair you two, two by two in the practice rooms. But on this particular day, we had an odd number of students. And so they asked me to be in a group of three. And at this time, I was the observer and the two other students were, you know, one was a practitioner, one was a client. And I remember, I remember this one very, very well because the client, the student, the student who was the client said, Oh, you know, uh, kind of like you do sometimes, but many of my clients do that, you know, you come to us a few ideas about what the subject could be for that session, you know, and then you kind of talk to your practitioner and you say, well, you know, um, she said, well, I have kind of, you know, this feelings of resentment about my mother and I also have this pain in my left hip. She said, um, so which of these do you think we can work on? And the practitioner was muscle checking herself. And she said, we can work on both of those together. And I'm sitting there, I'm the observer. And I'm like, what? <laughs> right? I thought, oh, I don't know if this is advisable. But the session unfolded. And um, what turned out was that when she was a teenager, there was a family friend, a male family friend, who touched her inappropriately on her left hip and she told her mother about it so this came out in the session she had she was she had not made these conscious connections at all right she told her mother about it her mother did not defend her because this was a close family friend her mother was, I was probably like i don't know what to do about this but i can't, we can't go against him we can't talk about it we can't you know so there was no her mother did not protect her and i and and so both these things were connected and, you know, it was a really effective session on both fronts. And so, right. I mean, it's, you know, you will just see these things happen over and over again. And it's like, oh my gosh, you know, the subconscious mind is so powerful. It is so powerful. I mean, we know it's so powerful because when we are in the peak of health, it is thanks to the subconscious mind running all of those body systems perfectly, right? To keep you in optimal health. We never have to wake up in the morning and go like, well, here's my dashboard. Let's go set the temperature to 98.6. <laughs> let's order those hormone levels, right? Let's, um, you know, let's work on this product, this, this wound. Let's, you know, heal the wound. Let's do this, these repair, you know, uh, functions. Let's turn up or down the immune system. We never have to calibrate anything. I mean, we just work, right? Yeah. All, we just, we just take it for granted. The subconscious mind is doing all of that for us. Yeah. Well, when our health starts going off the rails, we should be thinking, uh, what's going on with the subconscious mind, right? Why aren't you able to ma manage things as well as you used to? 
Absolutely. We never, we don't think that way. It's just, it's just not done. But um, I, I think it's a really interesting avenue to pursue. And certainly for the person who's tried everything, got nothing to lose, you know? Which many people in the fertility camp really feel that way. Like they've tried everything. I see a lot of clients that have worked with other practitioners. They've gone down the functional medicine route. They want a second opinion on their labs. You know, they, they're looking to kind of overturn, unturn every rock and, and look under every surface for potential answers to what they have going on. And uh, this is definitely one of those avenues that should be explored when you're looking for those things. And I think just easing the pain of the process, if that's all you get from it, easing the pain of the process of going through fertility struggles, then I think MAP is a fantastic avenue to explore for that. And I'm excited to be able to offer more of that in my practice. And just for the skeptics out there, there are a lot of books and really high quality research and very highly educated people in various scientific fields that are talking about this and writing about this. And I'm going to put some of those links to different books and things that you can explore. If you're that skeptic, if you're that really science-minded person and you just want the proof that something like this could work, or at least the basis for how it can work, I'm happy to put some of those books and things. And especially what Madeline's talking about with energy and being able to muscle test yourself or muscle check yourself to see whether or not somebody is progressing during a session. That's all quantum physics. <laughs> uh, and that is a real field in science, but we have not yet gotten to the place where in medicine, we take our understanding of biology that we take quantum physics into account with that because it overturns a lot of the things that we think about, like with the body as just a machine that produces certain chemicals. And when it breaks, you just give it a drug and that fixes it. Quantum mechanics totally turns that that method of, or that thought process of biology on its head. Bruce Lipton wrote a fantastic book called The Biology of Belief that talks more about that. So we won't get into all that, but I will put that in the show notes for those of you that feel like you want a little bit more information and, and kind of science-minded justification for some of what we're talking about. Um, so I think we are coming to a close here, but Madeline, please share more about your practice, where listeners can learn more from you and how they can schedule with you if they're interested in a session. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I'd love to meet more of your listeners. Um, you can go to my website. It's www.mindremapforhealth.com, and that will take you to some information about the Map Method. I've got lots of videos there. I have podcast episodes linked there from my own podcast, Flourish with Functional Nutrition. Just taking a detour away from nutrition into <laughs> neural retraining topics the last few episodes. Um, and then uh, I have a quiz there that you can take that helps you connect the dots between subconscious stressors, events from the past, and sort of how that could be affecting your health. So lots and lots of resources and explanatory videos. So mindremapforhealth.com. You can also click the button that says book an appointment and book a 15 minute free consultation. So that's often where people start. Um, if you feel like you just want to leap into it, you can press the same button and you can schedule the 60 minute introductory map session. And that's just uh, the introductory session as we described before, where you're initiated to the map method and we start working on your first subject. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing, Madeline. I am hoping that a lot more people will start to become familiar with this method because as you said before, it's it's not super well known yet, but it is extremely powerful. And there are definitely more and more people coming to the understanding of how powerful this is and more and more practitioners are being trained. I think I'm going through with 11 or 12 other students right now. And I think there's a class going like almost every month. So there are more and more people becoming familiar, but I appreciate you joining me and sharing more about MAP. And thank you so much for all of the help that you've given me as we've been on this journey together, practitioner and clients. Um, but yes, I appreciate you. Thank you for coming on. Thanks, Kristen. This has been delightful. Thanks for joining us for the Flourish with Functional Nutrition podcast. Please listen again and remember to follow us and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher. To learn more about Tiny Feet, Kristen Cornett's virtual fertility practice, or to check out her Mastering Your Fertility podcast page, visit tinyfeet.co. To learn more about the MAP method for optimal health, visit mindremapforhealth.com. Until the next time, be well and flourish. Content of this podcast 
courtesy the Mastering Your Fertility podcast. Music by Barbara Benn.